So next up, we have Faith Eatman. Yes, I'm really excited about having Faith join us because Faith has done some phenomenal work. And what is even more fantastic about what Faith has done is, oh, how do I say, had it not, had this happened, I don't know, pre-2020, it would have been a whole other story. You're, you're even shaking your head, Faith. Like, <laughs> <laughs> how are you today? I'm good. How are you doing, Michelle? Absolutely fantastic. I'm excited about you being here because this is something that so many of us have um, have have wanted to know. We wanted to know the DEI data in the workplace. Mm -hmm. But I want you first to tell people a bit about yourself, um, career-wise, what do you do, and then we'll get into your 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 work in DEI in, in an employer. Okay. So, hi everybody. I'm Faith Eatman. And by day, I lead cultural transformation for our IT department at a large academic medical center on the south side of Chicago. And then by night, I cape heart for advancing Black women in the workplace. And so to do this, I leverage honest conversations, my process improvement experience and expertise, and my lived experience to bring creative DEI solutions in business. And so um, I want to talk specifically about one of those solutions that I'm most proud of. Um, and that is leveraging our employee resource group focused on helping women of color advance to leadership positions to create a formal sponsorship program for Black women. And so in June of this year, our employee resource group, which is named NOTICE, um, launched its first cohort for a formal sponsorship program to increase the representation of Black women at the senior leadership level. And so the program is very focused on creating access, visibility, and psychological safety for Black women. And so I just want to, uh, before we go into our conversation, Michelle, just do a little bit of level setting on sponsorship and sponsorship programs. And so sponsorship programs are designed to foster meaningful one-on-one -on -one relationships uh, among executive leaders and junior level leaders, which we've called protégés as a part of our program. And so when you talk about sponsorship, it's been called um, the great career accelerator because sponsors are personally invested in their protege's success. They leverage their own influence to advocate for their protege's promotion and ensure they're visible to key decision makers. And so when you talk to many executives, they may not call it sponsorship. They might not refer to it as sponsorship. But you ask them, like, how did they get to where they are today? Many of them will quickly identify one or several individuals at some point in their career that took a chance on them, that vouched for them to get a leadership opportunity or to get access to um, senior level um, conversations and things like that. They took a chance on them and vouched for them, and that set them firmly on the path to executive leadership. And so really like when you hear black women asking about and talking about wanting to advance to leadership, like that's what we want. We want to be recognized for the value uh, that we bring to the organization. We want to be noticed. And so um, formal sponsorship programs is one way to get black women the recognition and the access and visibility that they need in order to access um, these executive leadership positions. I love it. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing that. What 
I want to go into next is we're, we were we're pro, post George Floyd, and I am getting feedback. Hold on one second. Let me see if I have something turned on. I don't see anything. So okay, wait to stop. Okay. So we're post George Floyd, and you want to bring change into your organization. What are your, what, what are you thinking? What do you think, or what do you know and have seen in an organization that really needed to be brought to an executive level's attention? Yeah, I mean, so I'll just speak from like my own experience and, and you, you hit it on the head, right? So I think many of us in the wake of George Floyd, we were sitting thinking like, okay, what can we do, right? Like, I know I need to do something. Um, what can I do? And, and that was kind of my, um, I had the same response. And so when I started thinking about what I could do, I know I like protesting, like that wasn't the thing that resonated with me. But I thought, like, let me leverage my strengths, right? So my background is in change management and process improvement. And so I'm really good at understanding how systems work, identifying barriers and knowing the right tools, right, to break them down and to improve culture. And so, you know, I wanted to take the tools that I use to impact a problem that um, impacted me personally, right? And that was um, my experience as a Black woman in, um, in the workplace and in corporate-like spaces. And so, you know, uh, I, I read books like um, Minda Hart's book, right? And I started seeing people on LinkedIn that were talking about their experience in the workplace. And I'm like, oh my, like that, that's like my experience too. And that's when I started to notice like, this is a system, this is something systemic. This is something that is happening in many different organizations. It didn't just happen to me, like it's happening to other people. And this is something that we need to um, seriously address. And part of the work experience and the experience that Black women are having um, is due to a lack of representation at the leadership level. And so to me, like that is something very important um, that I wanted to bring forward to my leadership to say that we need to improve the number of Black women that are represented at the senior and executive leadership level because um, it impacts the care that we provide to our patients as well as our community. So we know like along this time with George Floyd, like we're getting information related to um, different outcomes uh, for COVID based on race, right? There was a lot of data about um, black women and just that we're three times more likely to die from pregnancy related causes. And so, you know, those are things that resonate deeply with me as a black woman. And I feel that in this space of healthcare, one thing that we can do to help improve that is to increase the number of Black women in leadership positions. So you have this fantastic goal that you want to reach. What did you do next? You're like, okay, this this has to change. What what do you what did you sit down and and figure out you needed, or 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 did you sit down and do a strategy and what was included in that? Yeah, I mean, so. Again, like just from my background from change management and process improvement, I understand like how the process for problem solving. And so, you know, where I wanted to start was with defining the problem. And so I just talked to you a little bit about that. Like, this is what the problem is. There's a lack of black women represented at the senior leadership level. And this is a problem. Why? Right. And this is why we need to do something now. And then once I do that, right, I want to 
want to investigate, right? So I want to go to Black women and hear their experience. Like, I need to understand if this is just something I've experienced, right? Or is it, as I stated, like something that is systemic? So going to the people who are closest to the problem to understand like what their experience has been. And then um, starting to ask why. And I think Marissa talked about this too, like really thinking about, let's not just address symptoms, right? But what is the root cause? And when we look at the root cause to these systemic issues, part of it's racism. And so then we need to think about like, how does racism show up in our workplaces? And so racism can show up in our workplaces by um, a lack of access, right? So Black people historically marginalized folks not having access, the same amount of access to opportunities or to leadership and also visibility, right? They don't have the same visibility to get to these opportunities and to get these opportunities as well as a lack of psychological safety. And so by focusing on those things and kind of pinpointing some of those root causes, then the question was, okay, so how do we solve for this? And so in my research and just as, um, you know, again, just talking to different people, researching, you can quickly Google like how to help black women advance the leadership and you will see sponsorship will come up as um, a solution. And so that was uh, from conversations that I even had with white male executives to say like, how did you get to where you are? What has been um, instrumental in you getting to where you are? Sponsorship was something that kept coming up over and over again. And so that was the solution that I landed on to say, hey, we can try this, right? Let's try this and see what happens. Okay, so once you, you had those steps in place, how did data play a part in, in getting this initiative moving? Yeah, I mean, so I work at an academic medical center um, again, like I, I've led meeting process improvement initiatives. I understand like we have to have data in order to get that buy-in, especially at the executive leadership level. I'm very fortunate to be a part of an organization where um, they were not only making Black Lives Matter statements, right? They put forward an entire equity strategy and they have been very transparent with our data, including um, leadership parity by race. So. That, or, that data had been communicated through the organization. And so, um, like I knew that we had the data and I knew that the organization was committed to increasing our representation, BIPOC representation at the senior leadership level. And so I felt uh, confident being able to go to our diversity, equity, inclusion department and ask for um, the data, right? Like to get intersectional with it and say, okay, I know we have, the data by race, but can we have the data by race and gender, right? So we want to see, like, I, I know what people are saying. I know what I feel, but, like, let's actually create a picture, right? Let's see a picture of what it actually looks like. And so uh, that's where I started. And I think the other thing we really wanted to see is just, like, where are, where do Black women sit in the organization? So by staff level, also creating that picture and telling that story. I like the way you went back and say intersectionality again. And, and because that's important, the, the more points we put in there, it is, it's important when you're looking at equity and who mm -hmm. is being left behind. 
Because as soon as you can solve it for black women, okay, now you go to black women who are mothers. Now you go to black women who are lesbians, right? And and you still are going to have these marginalized um, employees that you still haven't brought equity to in the workplace. And so I love how you say, hey, you did it by gender and race. Let's cross these over because it's truly important to look at that data through that lens to understand if if and is there some work to be done. And maybe you're not, maybe you've done a great job and there isn't additional work to do. Right. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, we need to, we know how we feel, but like, and, and like I said, I would say this to anybody who was saying, like, hey, we need to fix something. Well, okay you know, let's look at the data first. So let's see, like, if it's a problem, how big of a problem is it, right? Is it the problem we need to focus on so the data can help you with all of this? So you have this sponsorship program. How does it work? Um, and, and maybe you're seeing some some changes through it as it grows, but how does, how does it launch and, and where are you right now in that sponsorship program? Yeah, so um, so we started the program in June, and the program is focused on pairing mid black women who are mid level managers, so manager and director level, with uh, we targeted white male executives for our first cohort, um, so at the VP level and above, and um, what we did like we took a very innovative approach to sponsorship. So there, like when you do research, you can find. Uh, frameworks for and best practices for formal sponsorship programs, right, that are focused on what I talked about, bridging the visibility and access gap. Um, but for our program, we also wanted to make sure that we were addressing some of those systemic barriers that I mentioned. Um, and the way that we did that was um, we engaged the equity strategist who uh, engaged in four facilitated sessions with the sponsors and the protégés together as a group. And we focused on sharing the black the experience of black women in the organization. And so we not only shared our stories of how we've experienced the organization, we were able to um, share some of our experiences as patients in, in healthcare, uh, which is very important. Yeah. But we also were able to hear from our sponsors how they want to show up as allies for black women and then think about how we can partner together to create the organization that we desire to have for our patients in our community. And so uh, we engaged in those four sessions, four monthly sessions. And then uh, beginning in October, we have six months of group coaching that's focused on allyship. So to increase inclusive leadership capability for our sponsors. And also um, we have some executive coaching for the black women to um, help us to think about how we lead in a way that's authentic to our lived experience and leverage that in service of the organization. And then at the con going on concurrently throughout this time, uh, each protege is having a monthly one-on-one -on -one with their individual sponsors. So I, I wanna step back and, and ask a, a question about not just support from your executive team, but the financial backing, because you talked about bringing in an equity partner or equity consultant. You've talked about these coaches coming in, executive coaches for the Black women, additional training for the sponsors. 
So did your organization find funding right in the middle of a year or how did, how do, how were you able to press upon them? They had to find funding to bring equity into the workplace. Yeah. So again, like our, like I said, I'm fortunate to be a part of an organization that had um, an equity strategy as well as dollars um, set aside to focus on different equity initiatives. So they had the money set aside. They just needed to have like, you know, initiatives that they were supporting. And also, um, so our fiscal year ends June 30th. So, you know, we started at the beginning of our fiscal year, July 1. So um, there was some, you know, strategic, like we had to think about like when we'll start it, how we'll fund it type of thing. But the money was there uh, that had been allotted for our, our equity, towards our equity. It, have you been able to get long-term funding, like they've committed three years or is it year to year that you'll you'll have to go back to get for continued financial support? Yeah, I mean, so I'll, I'll be quite honest, like we haven't talked about it that far. Like we did put the program in place as a pilot. And um, so we'll revisit that at the end of the program, which is uh, January FY23. Okay, of, of 23? Mm -hmm. So it's like an 18 month. Program. Okay. Right. Because okay. I mean, if we're thinking about helping people to advance right to the next level, we understand that's going to take time. Right. That's not something that's like after the four months, like, hey, everybody, there might not be roles to put people in. Right. We have to wait until the opportunity comes up. So um, it's an 18 month program. Gotcha. OK, so I, I'm let's get this. So it's an executive training program that's 18 months focused on black women in middle management, helping them get to senior management roles. It has been funded for an 18 month period. The training is not only for the black women, but also their sponsors to understand black women's experience in the workplace, black women's experience in healthcare, and really for them to understand what racism looks like overall. So, so the sponsors are going through the journey. Absolutely. Yeah. So we are both on a journey together. And I think um, that's so important. And, and it really has, um, like the experience so far has uh, really been remarkable. And so I'm really glad that we did set it up that way. Um, because there, I think there was just so much opportunity on both ends for us to, to learn and to build trust amongst each other. So I, I just want to talk for those of you who were here for Lynn Hurdle's um, talk at, when we kicked off, she was talking about her program um, on the matter of race, where she works with white people, teaching them what racism is and how to become anti-racist. And so you just brought up another thing, which was people have often tried to fix us, Black people, Indigenous people, and other people of color. But that's not the issue, right? The issue is understanding, number one, what racism is, and that's for white people, to understand how they become anti-racist. And so I like your approach in this program is we have to train the sponsors about our Black experience, Black women's experience more specifically, in the world and in the workplace. And I think that's I don't think there are a lot or many or any other programs that are really doing it on that level. And so yeah. I, I really, yeah. really like that 
approach. I, I, you're exactly right. And I think one thing that I, I have to say um, about um, our executive leadership, and, and this is internal and external, as I talked about, um, just after George, George Floyd, I started becoming more and more vocal about the experience of Black women in the organization publicly, you know, within my organization, as well as like via LinkedIn. And one thing was uh, people would reach out to me and say like, you know, I really like what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. I want to show up as an ally, but I don't know how, right? Like I really want to, but I don't know what to do. I don't know. I'm afraid of saying the wrong thing. And more often than not, it was white male executives who was who were reaching out to me to say these things. And so I guess what I'm saying is, um, I think that there may be, um, white male executives and white people out there who want to show up as allies, right? They know that something is wrong. They know there's a problem, but um, they just, they need, I'm, I mean, I know there are different camps on this, right? I understand that. Um, but they may just need someone to say like, here is the program, do this. And if you bring it to them, right? Like they will be, they will buy into it, but they just don't know what to do. They want to do something. They don't want to be on the fence, right? They want to be anti-racist, but really just need that push to take the next step. Absolutely. Not not even a push sometimes. Um, they're just like, what? I'll go do the work. Just give me a compass and point yeah, in the direction. Absolutely. So um, I, I, I love that. And, and I've had quite a few people at that time too, that wanted to know what to do and how to do it. And the number one thing I would tell you, you will say something wrong, but the point yeah. is you have to grow through it and you have to learn from it. It's, it for the, I don't have any kids. I've just seen a lot of them growing up with a mom with a daycare. But one thing you learn is from that first kid to the second kid, or sometimes just from the first kid from one to two, it's a whole lot of growth. Like, oh, you look in the wall again, that's fine. You live the first two years, look in the wall, you'll be okay, you know, the third year. And so you you start to get better and smarter about things. Yeah. Um, and, and so I encourage those who want to do the work, especially in the workplace and bring equity in the workplace, it's important that you continue to make the mistakes you grow and you learn from those. And, and it's really important to think that you're not going to do something wrong. The point is that you look to do it fewer and fewer times. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. That's the growth mindset. And we definitely need it um, related to anti-racism. Absolutely. So how can people connect with you, Faith? Yeah, so you can connect with me on LinkedIn. Uh, so I talk a lot on LinkedIn about advancing Black women in the workplace. So please do follow me. Um, I'm always interested in engaging with other people's content as well. And then uh, as a part of Witty um, Women in Technology International, we um, are a group of us host a room on Clubhouse on Thursdays, which is called Shut Them Down Racism solutions for black women in the workplace in which we talk about um, solutions, we just solution um, that, that are helping black women to not only survive workplaces, but to thrive in their workplaces. And so please do, if you are um, a black woman, 
if you are uh, an ally or a person who, who desires to be anti-racist and, and to show up as an ally for Black women, please join us. We're there every Thursday night on Clubhouse um, at 7 p.m. Central. And uh, the room is hosted by Witty uh, Women in Technology International. Absolutely. So if you if you join the Clubhouse app, which is a social media audio platform, you don't have to get dressed. You can be in bed. Yeah, and I and I have. It's about conversations and really listening and growing. You don't have to come up to the stage, raise your hand, and come to say it'll make sense if you're not familiar with the app once you join. And you can just listen, learn, and grow from from those from those um, those rooms. Um, they last about two hours, but the important part is showing up to learn. The next important, the pivotal part is taking action. So I love the allies, but I'm looking for abolitionists, those who are really going to put things yeah. on the line, that are really going to take risks. Yeah, I'm here for whatever A word is, is about action. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much, Faith, for joining us today. This has been absolutely fantastic. Whew, I love this yeah. work. Um, go, go ahead. No, thank you. Thank you so much for having having me. Like you are a person who I met via Clubhouse, right? So we've had audio conversations, but not face-to-face -face, uh, video. So it's always it. great. So I appreciate the opportunity. I've enjoyed the conference today. So I, just, I thank you for um, the platform and the work that you're doing to create equitable workplaces. Thank you so much, Faith. I really appreciate it. I'll talk to you on Thursday. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Take care. Okay. Bye. Bye.